Praise God. Can you say amen? It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Yes. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Ah, yes. These Clark Kent glasses are dirty. And we can't have that, can we? Praise God. Oh, you can be seated. Unless you want to stand through the whole Bible study. You can do that. Yeah, you can do that. Praise God. Again, we're so glad that you're here. We don't take uh, Wednesdays for granted. It's a time when we usually are focusing on a Bible study or some type of a study. Um, and so this is what we've been doing the last, well, we've been doing this for quite a while. We have what we call God's Word for Life. Those of you that aren't familiar with this, this is a series that comes out from our organization and, it, and, and uh, the writers down there do such a beautiful job. They really do. And I'm so thankful for, um, for what they give us and that type of thing. This uh, month we've had five lessons. Five lessons and we're going to talk about the last one tonight. But before we do that, let me just do a little bit of um, review. Um, I think review is good. How many besides me has a problem with forgetting? Yeah. Now you know why God has to remind you all the time. And He does. He just does. A lot of serving the Lord is just simply repetition. It's like, you know, the Scripture says there's, new, there's no new thing under the sun. And so, you know, eventually, you know, uh, we might go a couple of weeks sometimes without learning anything new. And we wonder, man, what's going on? Well, it might be a time for review. It might be a time that God is trying to emphasize the things He's already given you. So consider that. You know, God doesn't waste any time. And so uh, tonight I want to do the same thing. We've talked about kingdom living, and that's what we've been focusing on this last month. And really what we're talking about is the life that God blesses. How many would like to be blessed by God? Well, the, the good news is, is that you can. You can. Um, and so consider that. You know, the first week we talked about the attitudes or the beatitudes or the attitudes that need to be. And um, I don't know about you, but I have them memorized. And I interject that in, in, in um, uh, well, pretty, uh, pretty much my daily prayer. Because I, I understand that attitude is such an important thing. And I, my attitude uh, um, gets funky at times, just like yours does. And I've given God permission, I hope you do too, that He can adjust my attitude. Because that's really what needs to take place. And so we talked about that. The second week we talked about, um, in particularly in that, those uh, verses of Scripture, the salt and the light. Remember that? This is the goal that God has for every Christian. That you and I can become the salt, and the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And so with the help of the Lord, we can do that. Now, I understand sometimes we don't feel like that. And if you're like me, you know, you've you got to learn that lesson, that feelings aren't the things that we, that we um, have confidence in because our feelings can become fickle. Our feelings can become up and down. That doesn't mean that you should dismiss your feelings. It just means you need to learn how to handle them. And so being the salt and the light of this world is such an important thing. That's really the mission that God has put upon our hearts. Um, the third week we talked about disciplines. We talked about in, in particularly three different disciplines. Remember them? First one was giving. Second one was, was prayer. And the third one was fasting. Jesus hit on these real, real hard in the sixth chapter of the book of Matthew. 
He really did. Um, in particular, the fifth and the sixth and the seventh chapters of the book of Matthew are what we commonly call the Sermon of the Mount. It's when Jesus got down to the nitty-gritty. He got down to where the rubber meets the road. All of these cliches and many more. And so those disciplines are very important. But nobody's going to make you do them. And so you and I, we have to discipline ourselves. We have to develop that. And with the help of God, we can do that. We can be disciplined. We can make up our minds that on a regular basis, I'm going to do these things. And so consider that. Last week, we talked about the cure for worry. Does anybody remember what that was? What's the cure for worry? What's that? Well, that's part of it. But last week in particular, we talked about something that will help us to handle worry um, uh, on a regular basis. What's that? Kingdom-minded or seeking first. Everybody say first. That's a strong statement. When you say I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God, then there are certain things that will line up for you every day. And so you can expect that. And so um, the, uh, the last portion of the sixth chapter of the book of Mark or uh, Matthew deals with that. Um, I would really, really, really... Um, uh, ask you to consider um, reviewing these scriptures in the light of what we've talked about in Jesus' name. Now tonight we're going to talk about the wisdom of obedience. Obedience is, is one of the keys. Amen. I had a man of God come here years ago, not here in particular, but it was another meeting, and he talked about emphasis of five things. He said, and he said, this is the faith of God. The faith of God consists of five things, and he said probably more, but these five things he recognized. One, of course, was the blood of the Lamb, the blood of Jesus Christ. It keeps us cleansed. It keeps us from, um, you know, from, from, from giving up because God is continually able to clean us, praise God. He said another one was the name of Jesus. The Bible says in the Old Testament that the name of the Lord is a strong tower where the righteous run in and are? Yeah. So the name of the Lord is powerful, especially when you invoke it the way God wants you to. And then he talked about another two things. He said, the word. Praise God. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against you. And so the word is very, very important for us to know, understand, and be able to interpret. And the best interpreter that you can get for the word is, of course, the next one, and that is the Spirit of God. The Spirit and the Word work in uh, tandem a lot. Praise God. And so those four things is what he said is the faith of God. And then he added one. He said, and this is our responsibility. He said, and that is obedience. If you and I can learn how to obey God, you know, a lot of things can be accomplished. Now, it might not be the way you think it should be, and it might turn out, you know, a little bit differently than you thought, but I'm, I'm guarantee you that if you'll put those principles to practice, that you will find some things in your life that have been hidden, that have been keeping you down, have been keeping you, you know, in a smaller place. And if you'll recognize that, God will give you the strength and the Man, I feel the Holy Ghost in here tonight. There's an anointing in this place for these things to happen. Because the faith of God, now listen to me very carefully here. It's the faith of God that moves mountains, not yours. Yours and my faith can't do that. What our faith is, is mainly faithfulness. We remain faithful to God. That's what we do. That's what we can do, okay? But God's faith will move mountains. 
And I'm going to tell you something, that's important because all of us are going to experience mountains in our lives. We're going to experience times when, man, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know how this is going to end up. But with the help of God, those mountains can begin to move and you can begin to see those things in Jesus' name. Do you have mountains in your life tonight that you know of? Why don't you just lift up your hand right now and ask the Lord to help you with these five ingredients. Put them into practice. Make it a commitment tonight that you're going you're to commit yourself to God in these areas. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost here tonight wanting to help somebody. Reel down deep in Jesus' name. He wants to drill way down deep. Come on, I feel there's a couple of layers that are going to have to be tapped into in Jesus' name. And so consider these things. The Lord will help you. He'll give you understanding in Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. Now, we're going to look at two different sets of scriptures tonight when we, when we look at the wisdom of obedience, okay? One of them is found in the Old Testament. I don't know how much of it I'm going to get to, but I'm going to give it to you tonight, and it's the 15th chapter of 1 Samuel. The 15th chapter of 1 Samuel. Now, I'll guarantee, or not guarantee, but I'll say we probably aren't going to get through that entire chapter, but we're going to take chunks out of it. And I would ask you to read that, in, that chapter in its entirety so that you get the entirety of what it's talking about. And then we're going to talk about probably the last, oh, maybe 14, 15 verses of the 7th chapter of the book of Matthew. Those are the two sets of scriptures that we're going to look at tonight. And God help us. He will in Jesus' name. He is going to help us to to be able to put some wisdom with obedience and really help us to become obedient people. Because deep down inside, listen to me, sir, ma'am, deep down inside, this is really what you want to do. You wouldn't be here tonight if you didn't want to do this. Just you coming and showing up at an apostolic church demonstrates to me that you want to be obedient to God. But sometimes we just don't know how we can do that. You know, we got too many conflicts in our life and sometimes we look at some things and man, we got to make some choices and, and boy, I just don't know how this is all going to work out. But with God's help tonight, I'm going to tell you it's going to be possible in Jesus' name. Are you excited? Come on, the Lord is here for you. The scripture says in the book of Romans, it says, if God be for us. Come on, you think about it. And I want God to be for me. And I'll tell you, one of the ways that I can get God to be for me is if I'll be obedient to his word. If I will. That's one way that I can get God to be for me. And so you think about that. Because I know the Lord has been dealing with every one of you with his word. Every one of you has been being dealt with with that in Jesus' name. And so God wants to help you with that in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Amen. Listen to this story. I think it's kind of cool. It demonstrates the aspect of small things sometimes. The late pastor, James Kilgore, told the story of a Sunday school girl who wanted to have something to give in the offering at church, but she had no money. And she was likely one of the children who rode the bus to Life Tabernacle. But something was different about this girl. She was not content just to let the offering plate pass her by. So before she boarded the bus, she found a single bloom from a solitary stem of a flower. Yeah, that tiny flower would become her offering in the Sunday school class. 
Well, can you imagine the delight she must have, uh, must have felt placing her tiny little bloom into the offering plate that morning? The thrill that she had? I'm giving something. Amen. There is something satisfying about giving what we have to God, even when it seems insignificant to others. You ever felt that sometimes? Yeah, you, you and I, we have that in common. She gave with her childlike excitement. A sensitive Sunday school teacher observed her giving that morning and thought, I must take this flower to Pastor Kilgore and tell him the story. And so when he received the tiny bloom and heard the touching story, the Holy Ghost nudged this pastor and he began to share the story in the service that morning about what this little child did. And as he was obedient to the prompting of the Holy Ghost, an atmosphere of giving swept across the congregation. Perhaps it was Pastor Kilgore's idea to auction the flower for missions or possibly a sensitive soul in the congregation offered to purchase the flower. But the church auctioned off that single bloom for tens of thousands of dollars. Now obviously that church was big, you know, that type of thing. But think about that. Some little insignificant soul, praise God, brought an offering to the Lord that might not have meant anything to anybody. But when it was put in the proper setting, praise God, it meant everything. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, never despise the day of small things. Never despise the time when God would tell you to give something. It could open up the door. It could be the very thing, praise God, that begins to pomp. I see by the raising of many hands right now. Let's just take a few minutes and let's let the Lord really, really help us with this. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. So never, never despise the day of small things. Sometimes things can happen. And all really that comes down to is just a simple act of obedience. A simple act of saying yes to the Lord, whatever He would want to do. Praise God. It could be as simple as you going to the grocery store. Praise God. And having one of our cards and handing it to somebody. Praise God. That, that is having a horrible week or a horrible life. And all of a sudden, you give that person hope, praise God, which could change the entire picture of their life. Come on, I'm telling you something. The significance of obedience cannot be understated. It really can't. And I understand we can talk about the commandments. We can talk about the duties of God. And we might get into that a little bit. But the bottom line is, you know, do we want, do we want to have more obedience in our life? Now listen, this is how God can work a lot of things out, praise God, is if you and I will be willing, praise God, just to simply obey Him. And I'll tell you something, it will, it will do wonders in Jesus' name. Well, like I told you before, we're going to talk about two different groups of scriptures tonight. The first group that I want to, I want to um, bring to your attention is found in the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel is a book in the Old Testament. It has to do with kings. It has to do with people of responsibility, that type of thing. And, and, um, and, and it's, it's got a good story. I don't know if you're, if you're familiar with this, those of you that have been through Search for 
for truth. You know that, that the nation of Israel in the Old Testament had three kings. Three kings, you know, before the nation became divided. Amen. Can anybody name those three kings? Come on, you search for truth students. What are they? Yes. Saul, David, and Solomon. And these were kings that were anointed a little bit differently, you know, each one of them. But there was no doubt about it that God anointed them, praise God, for, for, for some things to happen, praise God. Well, the, the king that we're going to look at tonight is King Saul. And King Saul, you know, was a big guy. In fact, the scripture says that he stood head and shoulders over anybody in the land. So he was a big guy. You couldn't miss him in a crowd. And, you know, like a lot of times, King Saul started out really good. He really did. He had a desire to want to live the way God wanted him to live. And so he accomplished a lot of things. Some of those things were pretty major things that he could have never accomplished without the help of the Lord. But unfortunately, in the 15th chapter of the book of, of 1 Samuel, we begin to, or not begin, but we see his kind of downfall. And what I want to help you to understand is that, you know, you and I must understand that God, one of the things that he expects of us is for us to begin to obey him. And when we begin to compromise on that in any way, it doesn't make any difference which way it is, you know, I'm going to tell you something, you know, we're going to be in for trouble. Now, in this particular situation, I know this might sound extreme to you, but let me show you what the Lord asked. Now, you've got to understand, he was a king. He had a man, he was a man of great authority. And so sometimes God will treat people in those positions a little bit differently. But nevertheless, you know, the principle of, of, um, uh, of obedience is the same for anybody. It doesn't make any difference what your, you know, what your position is. And so consider this. In chapter number 15, verse Samuel chapter 15 and verse number 1, Samuel also said unto Saul, so you see the dialogue here, the Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. That is pretty important. He's saying, Samuel's saying, take heed to what God is telling you. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, in verse number 2, I remember that which, that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid waste for him in the way, and when he came up from Egypt. And so he said, he gives him the marching orders in verse number 3, and he says, Now go and smite Amalek, and utterly destroy all that they have, and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. So he's giving him the marching orders to go and, and to destroy that entire nation. Now I understand in our world today that might sound pretty rough, but you're not God. And you must understand that God knows people. He knows the hearts of people. And so in giving this command, you must understand that God knew that these people would never, would never serve him. And so they were a thorn in the side of Israel. And so what God is asking the king to do is to take his army and go and destroy all of them. And so very simple instructions, folks. I understand that this could be, this could be tough for some people, but God is asking him to do that. And so the Bible says in verse number 4, And Saul gathered the people together and numbered them, uh, 200,000 footmen and 10,000 men of Judah. And so this is what he did. He took the army, and he was supposed to go and take care of Amalek. Okay? 
Incidentally, if you want to do a good study, study the nation of Amalek and some of the problems that the nation of Israel got because of them. And I'm not making excuses. All I'm saying is if God tells us to do something, you can rest assured that it's very, very important that we follow through with that, okay? Now, again, like I told you before, I'm not going to read the whole thing to you. I'm just going to kind of take bits and pieces. I would ask you to consider to read this entire story, okay? But let me pick it up again, okay? Let me pick it up again in verse number 13. I'm still in uh, 1 Samuel 15 and verse 13. The scripture says, And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Do you see what he's saying there? He's saying, I've done everything God told me to do. Yeah, this is what he's saying. Just like we do sometimes, when really we might have forgotten something. Well, let's, let's move on here. The scripture says in verse number 14 that Samuel said, What meaneth this then, the bleeding of the sheep in mine ears, and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Samuel said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Wait a minute here. What, what, was, what was it about the word all that you didn't understand? But you see what Saul is doing, don't you? Come on, he's getting the monkey off his back. And he does something that you and I do from time to time. And you know what that is? Oh, come on, you know what it is. We begin to blame others, don't we? Come on, we begin to make excuses because this is what others wanted to do. Now listen, you might not agree with the entire story, but you can't disagree with the principle. God gave him that order, and he said, I want you to go, and I want you to destroy every bit of that. Amen. And so right away when, Sam, when, when the prophet Samuel comes, the first thing he finds, praise God, is that Samuel didn't do everything he was told to do. Come on, or Saul didn't, okay? And so you and I must understand that that's one of the reasons why God will give us review lessons. Come on, now God doesn't want to destroy you, but God wants you to get into the habit of being in the place where you will do everything he tells you to do. Now come on, that's coming from God, and God knows everything. And so if you're having some struggles in your life, or maybe God's having you review some lessons, it might be the fact that maybe you haven't done everything that God wants you to do. And listen, I believe tonight that God can help us to begin to complete everything he tells us to do. Can you say amen? Now, come on, I believe this is very, very important, praise God, that we understand this, that this is what God wants to do. And we're talking about the wisdom of obedience. And the wisdom of obedience is to do everything. Man shall not live by bread alone. Isn't that what Jesus told the devil? But by Every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Listen to me, folks. That's not that hard to understand. But sometimes it's hard to do. I understand that. But the bottom line is, folks, God wants us to get into a place where we would do everything he tells us to do. Praise God. And when we can get into that place, I'm going to tell you something. All kinds of mountains can begin to be moved. And this is what God wants to do for several of you in this place tonight. He knows that you've got a huge mountain in your life, and God wants to help you to get that mountain out of the way. But the key is going to be in you believing the Lord and in you obeying everything that He tells you to do in Jesus' name.
Now listen to the word of God again. Here, I'm, I'm going to continue. In verse number 15, And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep. In verse number 16, Then Samuel said unto Saul, Stay, and I will tell thee what the Lord had said to me this night. And he said unto him, uh, say on in verse number 17. Now here's some key elements here. The scripture says, And Samuel said, When thou was little in thy own sight, was thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. So he's reminding him of what the Lord did. Okay? And then in verse 18, And the Lord sent thee on a journey. Now this is what I can assure each and every one of you, that you're on a journey, praise God. And he said, go and utterly destroy the sinners of the Amalekites and fight against them until they be consumed. And it says in verse 19, Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil, and didst evil in the sight of the Lord? See, Samuel's asking him some pretty, pretty tough questions but he's trying to get him to realize where he went off the rails. And in some of your review lessons that you're having from the Lord this week, I believe that's what the Lord's trying to help you to understand. Where did you get off the rails? Where did you forget what the Lord said? Now listen to me, folks. This is vital for us getting on track and for mountains to be moved in our life because I feel like there are people in this place right now that you've been facing these mountains for too long and God wants to bring deliverance. God wants to bring power into your life. And I believe He can do this, but one of the key elements is going to be if you and I will begin to obey God in everything that He tells us to do. Can somebody say amen? Now come on, I'm not trying to, to get on your, back, your bad side. I'm not trying to rain on your parade. I'm just trying to help you to understand the principles. The principles of God a lot of times are keyed upon us being obedient in the name of Jesus. Let me just stop here a little bit and let me give you a for instance in the, Old, in the, in the New Testament. When Peter preached on the day of Pentecost in chapter number 2, there was quite a crowd that came around him after the people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says, that he preached Jesus Christ unto them. And the scripture says that they were pricked in their heart, which is an old-fashioned way to say they were convicted. And a lot of times that's what God will deal with us about. Conviction is a whole lot different than condemnation. Condemnation doesn't have any way out. But conviction has a way that God will get you out of it in Jesus' name. And when they did that, you know, the Bible says that, that, that um, they asked Peter, they said, what should we do? You know, we realized that we, we were instrumental in helping crucify the Christ. And Peter told on them, he said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Somebody say amen. Can I, can I ask some apostolics here tonight if that's been true in your life? Now come on, the Bible says that Peter said that the promise is unto you and unto your children, unto them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And you want to know what happened? Read it for yourself in the second chapter of the book of Acts. The Bible says there were 3,000 people that gladly received the word and they were baptized. Look at somebody and say, that's obedience. That's exactly what that is. And that's what the Lord is asking you to consider in this place tonight is true blue obedience. Let me quickly finish this. The scripture says um, um, and that, that Saul began to make excuses, and that was his downfall. 
And I'm just going to fast forward to verse 22 here. The Bible says, And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Again, he's asking a question. You know, we can give God all of our time. We can give God all of our energy. We can give God all of our money. But if we will not obey him, I'm going to tell you something. We're, we're just not going to see the results that God wants to see. And so the Bible says that he went on to say, he said, behold. And you know, there, there are, there, I think there's over uh, like, like 1,200 of these beholds in the Bible. And a lot of times when you see the word behold, it means stop and consider. And I believe there's several of us in his place tonight that that's what God is wanting you to do, is just stop and consider. Have you truly been obedient to what God wants you to do? Now, don't, you don't have to answer me that. I'm not here to put you on trial. I'm not here to become your judge. I'm just here tonight to present some facts and to present some principles that if you will get back to obeying God, you're going to see some mountains move in your life. You're going to see some power that will come into your life like you've never had before. Come on, can somebody lift their hands right now and say, that's what I'm looking for? Come on, that's exactly what the Lord wants to do for you. Oh, hallelujah. I mean that, folks. This is, not, this is God wanting you to get involved in His kingdom. And we get involved in His kingdom. One of the keys is as we become obedient to what He says to us. And so this is what God has for you. This is what God has for me. And this is our daily regimen in Jesus' name. Let me just finish this real quickly here. The Bible says that, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. And if you study that out in its entirety, he was saying it's better to obey God than to offer all kinds of sacrifices. And sometimes that's what a compromised mind will do, is sometimes we will just begin to offer good things to God. Good works, good things. And I'm not saying that that's, that's terrible. I'm just saying, but there is nothing like good old-fashioned obedience to what God wants us to do. Come on, I believe if you'll make that kind of a commitment tonight, God will stand with you and you will find his power. And you will find that scripture in the book of Romans that says, if God be for me, come on, who can be against me? And that's the kind of thing that God wants to bring into your life in Jesus' name. Can you say Amen. Now, we're going to switch gears here for the next few minutes, and we're going to go to the New Testament now. And, um, and I told you before that we're going to look at some scripture here that has to do with Jesus' teaching, okay? And, you know, Jesus was a brilliant teacher. He was. He knew how to, how to hold, you know, a crowd in his hand. He knew how to teach things, you know, um, that were powerful. But the thing that Jesus was good at was teaching things that people could understand, that's what you'll find in the scripture, that it doesn't take, you know, a master's degree or a PhD to figure out what the Word of God says. Most of the things in the Bible what I, in, uh, that, that we're talking about tonight would come under the category of simple instructions, that a lot of times God will give us things to do that we know exactly what they are. Now, if you study the Word of God in, in the seventh chapter of the book of uh, Matthew, you see that he's coming to a conclusion here of his Sermon on the Mount. And so he's got some points that he wants to make. I want to begin to read here in verse number 13, the seventh chapter of Matthew and verse number 13. Now, Jesus makes a point here about two or three different things. And, and like he does a lot of times when he teaches, he gives us the contrast. The contrast. 
And so watch it. You can, you can see the contrast in these verses as I begin to read it. He says, enter ye in at the straight gate. Everybody say the straight gate. Another word that could be used there for straight is narrow. The narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in therein at. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Now do you see the contrast there? He talked about a wide way, and he talked about a narrow way. Now you're, you're going to find this a lot in Scripture, where Jesus would give us some absolute, you couldn't miss it if you tried, um, examples. And so what he's saying here is he's saying there's going to be a wide way and there's going to be a narrow way. You have to choose which way you want to travel. Well, look at verse number 15. Again, he gives us a contrast here. He said, Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. I pray against wolves all the time. I don't know who they are but uh, sometimes, but I just pray against them because wolves are very vicious creatures. And if a spirit of a wolf gets into a person, a lot of times they'll go after people and they'll try to destroy them. And that is not a pleasant thing to see. Well, then he says in verse number 16, he says, You shall know them by their fruits. He said, Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? He said in verse 17, Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. It says, But a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. Do you see the contrast there again? He's talking about a good tree. And he's talking about a tree that isn't good. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to be a good tree. And with the help of the Lord and with my obeying Him, I can begin to produce fruit for the Lord. Can you say amen? Now, that's what God wants to help you to do. He wants you to become a fruitful Christian. And so this is what he will do. A lot of times he will put things in your life that you're either going to have to obey it or you're not. And this is what's going to tell the tale. And so tonight I hope that your eyes are getting open because I believe he's done that to you already. And I'm hoping that you'll go home tonight and you'll begin to recognize those things. What are you going to do about it next time? Now the good news with the Lord is that we can start over every day. That's what we can do. So I don't want to discourage you too much tonight. I want to help you to understand that if you're here tonight and you haven't been obeying the Lord, I'm not here to, to rub your nose in it. I'm not here to say how bad you are. I'm just here that you can make up your mind tonight to begin over. That I'm going to choose, praise God, to begin to obey the Lord, and I'm going to do that every day. Can somebody say amen? This is what will make a difference with your mountains leaving, folks. I'm going to tell you that right now. This will make a difference. And so again, recognize the contrast. Amen. Jesus isn't trying to, you know, draw a treasure map that nobody can see or nobody can get. He's, he's giving us reasons, praise God, and he's giving us examples that all of us can understand. So let's proceed on. The scripture says a good tree in verse 18 cannot bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. So it can't happen. And so the Bible says, every tree that bringeth forth or bringeth not forth good fruit is hewed down and cast into the fire. And then he, he, he gives us a very wise statement here in verse number 20. He says, wherefore by their fruits ye shall know them. 
Now, with the same ability that I can judge you by your fruits, I should expect that you can judge me by my fruits. Now, I'm not here to put on a show here. I'm not here to, to, to make everybody look at it and how great I am. But I am going to tell you something. If you will be obedient to God, if you will begin to do what he tells you to do, you can fully expect that you will begin to produce some good fruit in your life. I'm telling you the truth because that guarantee doesn't come from me. It comes from God. And God wants to help you to become a producer of good fruit. That's where your peace, a lot of your peace is going to come from. That's where a lot of your satisfaction is going to come from. That's where a lot of your purpose in life is going to come from. By producing the fruit that God wants you to produce. And so consider these things. Now, let's end this tonight. Let's, 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 let's get the plane landed in Jesus' name, if I can put it that way, okay? Well, the Bible says... In verse number 21, this is Jesus' altar call, okay? And I want you to consider what he's saying here. He says in verse 21, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth. Now, that's a key word here. That doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Jesus is emphasizing the fact that doing God's will is what the Father is looking for. And you can't do the will of God without obedience. You just can't. You can try to end around it all you want, but you're just going to end up dissatisfied. You're going to end up frustrated. And you're going to end up producing no fruit. But come on, I'm talking to people tonight that I feel like there's a couple of you in this place that you're sick and tired of that. And you want to see a turnaround in your life. And I'm here to tell you that the Lord is offering you a brand new life with brand new promises. And I'm going to tell you something. Along with those brand new promises, there's brand new commitments to the Lord. And as you begin to obey God, you're going to, you're going to find that there are things that God is going to be able to accomplish in your life in Jesus' name. Before I go on here today, one a beautiful example of this is found in the ninth chapter of the book of Acts. And it has to do, you don't have to turn there, but it has to do with a man named the Apostle uh, uh, Paul. He, actually, he was named Saul. He was another Saul. And he was a man that was high up in the religious movement of his day. And he was actually persecuting the Christians of that day. That's exactly what he was doing. In fact, he was on his way to put more of them in jail. But the scripture tells us, and you should read this, this is a very inspiring story, where the Bible says that the Lord had so much love for him that he knocked him off of his horse. Literally, a light came from heaven and knocked him off of his horse. And it's a beautiful story. But the thing that I want to tell you is that when the Apostle Paul got up, the scripture says there were two things that he was concerned about. Two things. And the first one was, first of all, who are you? Who are you, Lord? Here's a guy that was involved in religion most of his life. And he didn't even know who the Lord was. And this is one thing that God wants to reintroduce to you. He wants to share with you who he really is. And then the second thing that the Apostle Paul said to, to, to the Lord after he got knocked off his horse is, What would you have me to do? I think those are key things, praise God, in our life. There's none of us in this room tonight that knows completely who God is. You and I are pursuing that. We're reading scripture. We're praying. We're doing all of these things so that we'll know who he is. And God will reveal himself to people that will pursue that. And so I want to encourage you tonight.
But the second thing, are we doing everything that God wants us to do? See, that's a question that you have to ask yourself. And if you really want mountain-moving uh, power, I'm going to tell you, you're going to find it in that, in Jesus' name. Watch this. I'm just about done here. The scripture says in verse 22, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? Sounds pretty good to me. Well, look at this. The response is, then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. The word iniquity comes from a Greek word that means lawlessness. Let me put it in simple, um, everyday language. It's you wanting to do it your way. That's what iniquity is. And that's what robs people from, from a lot of times, from being obedient to God. It's not horrible sin. It's not that they're axe murderers or they're that type of thing. It's just because people want to do things their own way. And you're going to find if you're going to become obedient to God on a regular basis, you're going to have to go contrary to your way, and you're going to have to settle it in your own mind that you're willing to do it His way. Now, come on, this is what God is giving to you tonight in the name of Jesus. So here are some people who have done some good things. But God says, I don't know you. You know, I'm, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever, look at verse 24 here. It kind of clarifies this. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and there it goes again. There's that principle again. I want you to hear my word. But it's not just hearing it that does any good. You're going to have to learn to do the word. And that's why you're going to find people in the Bible who got, got close to God and got some power from the Lord are people who hear the word. Yes, that's what you're hearing tonight. But they begin to make up their mind that they're going to become obedient to what the word says. See, folks, there's no excuse for that. There isn't in front of God. And so here he does, and here what, here's what he, he does, is he gives us another contrast. Now listen to this contrast. You know, the scripture says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the scripture says, And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not. Why? Because it was founded upon a rock. You see, that's what obedience will get you. Obedience will get you a firm foundation like you've never had before. And this is what the Lord wants to bring to your life. Now, as I said before, the Lord a lot of times taught in contrast. And here's the contrast. And you can, you can, you, you can see who you are in this. The scripture says, And everyone that heareth these sayings in verse 26 of mine, and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man. There's the contrast. Wise and foolish. That's your choice. There's no gray area there. There's no almost. There's no game of horseshoes there. This is either you're going to be wise or you're going to be foolish. And that's not me telling you that, by the way. That's the Word of God. And so tonight, you and I, we need to make those choices. They're very clear. He said, if you hear this word and you don't do it, you're a foolish man which built your house on the sand. And the scripture says the, the same rains came, the same floods came, the same winds blew upon it, and it beat upon that house. And guess what happened to the, to the house in the sand? It fell. 
And why did the house fall? It didn't make any difference if it had Anderson windows, Tom. It didn't make any difference if it had so much insulation that it would be the hottest house in the wintertime. It didn't make any difference if it had the greatest doors or the biggest garage or the nicest car parked in that garage. The real difference was where was that house built? That house wasn't built on a solid ground. And that's why you and I must understand that God wants to move you from, from a, a very shaky ground. There's about six of you in this place tonight that if you'll heed to the Lord, you can move from a shaky ground to a solid ground right here tonight. And your life can take on a whole different meaning. You can begin to see some results immediately in the name of Jesus. You don't have to wait six months or a year. You can find out how powerful God is even here tonight in the name of Jesus. That's exactly what God wants to do. I don't know what you're waiting for. I don't know. But I'm not going to sit here and force you or coerce you or push you into this. Although, you know, the Bible says a couple of different times in the scriptures. Yeah. Jesus said it. He said, no man cometh unto the Father unless the Father draw him. If you study that word out, especially in a couple of places in the Gospel of John, you're going to find one of the key root words of that is literally drag. That's what it means. And I don't know about you, but I can identify with this. I was drug into this. I had a messed up life. I didn't have any place else to go. And so literally I was drug into this. But the point that I want to make is do you want to, keep, you want to, you want to have God after, after five years, after 10 years, after 20 years, do you still want him dragging you to the house of God? Do you still want him dragging you to pray? Do you still want him to drag you, you know, to give and, uh, and, and, and that kind of thing? Come on, folks. That's, you're going to lose that in a hurry. And that's what a lot of Christians do. They want God to drag them. Literally. And I'm going to tell you something. God will do that a few times. But after a while, he's going to leave it up to you. He's going to say, you know where that church is. You know where that Bible is. You know where the prayer room is. God, he will, tell, he will talk to you like that. And then he will leave it up to you, praise God. And that's why you're never, ever going to get away. If you want a strong relationship with God, which is I hope you do, you're never ever going to get away from obedience because obedience is the one thing that will help us not to have to be dragged into the things of God all the time because that's not what God wants to do. God wants us to start not only doing these things, but he wants us to begin to learn the difference and then to begin to appreciate. And then on the tale of appreciation will become love. And we begin to see the things that God has for us, that they're a whole lot better than the things that are in this world. And God will help you to understand if you'll simply begin to trust him and become obedient to him, you will begin to see results in your life that you'll never get anywhere else. See, that's what God wants to do. And literally, that's the wisdom. That's the wisdom of obedience. And there's nobody in the world that can't do it. And so why don't we stand tonight? I appreciate you coming to this Bible study. I know it was a little bit lengthy, and I know it was a little bit deep. You know, there were some areas there that I went that I felt like the Lord wanted me to tap. 
But tonight, praise God, before we leave, I think it would be a good opportunity for us to respond to the word. And I'm not telling you to do cartwheels and to run and, and shout or all that type of business, but I am asking you to maybe, if you want to lift your hands, you can do that, but lift up your voice and your heart to the Lord tonight. Make some commitments to him right now in the name of Jesus. I believe the Lord would help you with them. Yes, I do. Oh, hallelujah. 